that, you're tuned in to episode 107 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Welcome back, man. Quite a week. Quite a week. Lots of news. First time in a yeah. long time. It feels like we've got a stacked uh, batch of Nintendo news this week, which is which is good. It's good. It's nice to, you know, it's been cool. We've been talking about the next-gen stuff. We've been talking about some non-Nintendo stuff, but it's good to get back to your roots this week, you know? Oh, yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. So, uh, in the spirit of that, I'm going to rush through the plug so we can get into the actual <laughs> show. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Potscast, LootPots.com's weekly Nintendo slash gaming podcast, where Steve and I get together and talk about what we're playing, what's going on in the world in Nintendo. We answer your questions, do some main topics, all kinds of all kinds of good stuff. Great content, great show. Uh, we have a great time putting it on for you every week. And apparently y'all enjoy listening to it every week because you keep doing it. Uh, so remember, if you want to be a part of the show, just like some of the fine folks in our Mail Pot segment did, you can go ahead and join our Discord where we've got an ever-growing community of potsheads just like you talking about all kinds of stuff under the video game sun, uh, getting your questions written in in the Potscast channel, uh, helping each other find next-gen consoles. Shout out to one of our Patreon supporters, that doc guy who finally found a PS5. Love to see that happened live on our stream this week uh, at twitch.tv slash lootpots, where every Thursday you can come hang out with me and Steve, and we're streaming something else uh, along with the community and having a good time. This week we actually did two. Uh, we had Mario Kart on Thursday, where we played with some of you fine folks, and then on Friday Steve did a little bit of uh, some duos of Splatoon 2 with another one of our Patreon supporters, uh, Mr. Zade, uh, Snackmite. So... Yeah, we've been having a great time over there. It's been good. We've got uh, some stuff behind the scenes we're working on right now to kind <clears> of <throat> increase our output over there, be a little bit more active. So uh, if there's games you'd like to see us stream or, you know, um, you know, stuff you'd like to see us get into over there, let us know right in. And, uh, of course, the other ways that I forgot to mention that you can do that are writing it to me at Pete at .com or going and following us on social media at LootPots uh, over on our Twitter account. Uh, we often throw up a thread where we're asking for questions for this week's show. We'll tweet out when we go live. Um, best way to keep up with everything we have going on is to just head over to that Twitter, turn on notifications. We don't tweet that often. Um, so whenever we do, it's something pretty important. So that's the best way to keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing and uh, make sure that you're staying a part of it. Um, last but not least, if you want to go above and beyond, get a little bit of extra loot pots in your RSS every week, uh, be a bigger part of the show and help us keep, keep things moving and keep growing. Uh, that is of course, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash loot pots, where for just a buck, you can get access to our Patreon exclusive show after dark and you'll get the entire archive. So that's over 70 episodes, over 70 hours of additional loot pots content, uh, with me and Steve and some of the other members of the team uh, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, we've done some spoiler casts over there. Uh, we talk about our lives. We talk about TV. We talk about, you know, stuff that's outside of the realm of Nintendo sometimes. Um, like Zayd and I had that great Persona 5 spoiler cast back in the day. So there's there's all kinds of stuff over there. And it's a great show. I think it's well worth a dollar. And it's the best way that you can show your support. Um, while also getting a little bit of extra stuff from us. And uh, among the things we have plans for in 2021, our Patreon is one of the big ones. We have uh, some new stuff coming there soon um, that Steve and I are very excited to talk to you about. Uh, but it's still kind of getting getting figured out. So uh, if you've been enjoying what we've been giving you on Patreon, there'll be a lot more coming. If you've you know been thinking about going and supporting us on the Patreon, you've been a longtime listener, uh, I think this will be a good year to jump on because you're going to get some extra goodies. And there's already a lot of cool stuff over there. Um, so... I hope you'll check it out, and uh, I hope you show show your support. But if not, um, 
go do any of the other stuff I suggested. You know, however you choose to be a part of the show, we're happy to have you here, and uh, we're happy to hear from you. So with that, let's jump into what we've been playing this week. Uh, for me, it's been mostly just what I talked about last week. Uh, of course, I am kind of in that post-cyberpunk um, lull now, you know, when you beat a big game and it's like, what's next? Yeah, yeah. So I picked back up Horizon. Um, I've been chipping away at that. Last night, I actually got to the last main story mission. So <clears throat> I decided I was going to divert off of that a little bit, do a few more side quests just to make sure that I'm I'm like at max level so that when I'm done with the main storyline, I can go just jump right into the DLC that I've never done. Um, excited to check out the Frozen Wild stuff. Uh, never got around to it when it dropped because it was just one of those DLC experiences where it came like months later, you boot it back up, you don't remember how to play, and it's... Don't remember the controls, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's way harder because it's endgame shit. Uh, and I just was like, could not keep up with it and didn't feel like replaying, so... Um, now it's kind of like the perfect time for it. So I think I'll probably, probably spend another couple nights with Horizon, get through the DLC and then, and then wrap it and and start something new. Um, I've got like a ton of games on Game Pass and on my PlayStation that are like burning a hole in my pocket. Um, but of course there's also some new stuff coming out that I'm excited for, like Cyber Shadows right around the corner. So, um, we'll see like what the next thing is, but right now I'm kind of just, chipping away at that and um i've been continuing my pokemon uh adventure where i've been playing um it's gonna be the segment now by the way pokemon Pokemon. yeah where i'll talk about what's going on (laughs) um in the world of pokemons uh and i've been having a lot of fun with that i'm doing for those of you if you if you haven't caught the episode where i discuss it i'm playing a uh a fully randomized run on blue version for the first time and um i've been like recording it as I'm playing and kind of taking notes because I'm kind of working on it as an idea for a video long term. Uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Like it's, it's really cool to play a game that, you know, as intimately as I know Pokemon blue, um, because like every single thing feels fresh. Cause like there'll be like, I know this game so well that there are like certain NPCs that I know which Pokemon they have. And I know like roughly what level they are and like all that kind Is of it stuff. Is randomized then? It's okay. all randomized. So like, okay. for example, um, this is probably one of the best examples I've run into. And it's a really fun like anecdote is uh, in um, Vermilion City, which is the third. Um, it's where the third gym is and it's where the SSN is, if you'll recall. Uh, in Pokemon Go, I, I know you played that, or let's go. You know how there was like the Diglett Tunnel in that town? Yeah, yeah. So I in, love that one. in the Diglett Tunnel, uh, because the randomizer was on, the way that I have it set up is it's not a random Pokemon every time. Uh, it's uh, whatever Pokemon is in the slot wherever you go gets switched with another random Pokemon. So I think last time I, I think I mentioned how in... Um, you have Mewtwo everywhere. Yeah, in, in the Viridian Forest. So this time in the Diglett Tunnel, it was actually the Zapdos Tunnel. So it was nothing okay. but Zapdos, <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> and are they of the similar level or are they like, this is ridiculously difficult and I can't capture them? They're of, they're of a similar level. Um, and like, they'll have moves based on like what they could learn at that point. Okay. So like, you'll find this level 17 Zapdos, but all it knows is like drill peck and thundershock, but it does still have the base stats of what it is. So like when you do encounter, 
you know, oh, this Pokemon trainer usually has a Rattata level 17, but instead they have a level 17 Mewtwo. It has base 100 stats across the board and can fuck you up if you don't fight it right, you know? Um, So it actually does make almost every trainer battle more difficult because most of them, rather than having some random basic level Pokemon, they have like a fully evolved Pokemon that has a better moveset. Um, So it's not like playing with like good AI or anything like cranked up, but it is like, I actually have to have items. I have to think about what Pokemon I use sometimes because, you know, especially like with type based stuff where you like, you get used to um, like, for example, right. Anytime you encounter like a bug catcher, right. You know that they have bug Pokemon. So like if you're in an area with lots of, or like the rock tunnel that you have to go through, like in the beginning of the game, every Pokemon in the rock tunnel in the original game is a rock type or a ground type. Or a Zubat, right? So it's really easy to be like, okay, if I have a water type with an ice move, I can one-hit KO probably everything that I run into. Almost every trainer is going to have Pokemon of this type, except for a few exceptions. So it's really easy to be like, cool, just park my water type at the top and just fight my way through. But obviously that wasn't the case when I'd run through. It's like all these random types. Every trainer has random Pokemon. So like you're having to switch a lot more. You're having to like heal up your Pokemon a lot more, like, all those little kind of things. And like, I've randomized what items you find. I've randomized, um, like not story specific, uh, and stuff like that. So like, there'll be places where I know I can go in the caves. Usually where it's like, Oh, there's a potion here. Oh, there's a revive here. It's not there now. Now it's some other random item. So that's also been throwing things off. And like, you're supposed to be able to find the TMs that let you like teach Pokemon new moves. Those are all random. So like my Pokemon have random ass move sets and stuff. And something got fucked up where some of the TM uh, compatibility is random. So I have some Pokemon that should be able to learn TMs that can't. So, like, I found a Fire Blast TM, but, like, I couldn't teach it to my Fire type. And I was like, oh, that's not great, you know? So, like, I'm running into these random roadblocks that are, like, making it a little bit harder and, like, a little bit fresher and more challenging. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's really fun. Like, it's breathing new life into something that I'm so intimately familiar with and uh, making it feel kind of fresh again. And I'm no, thinking, I like that. I'm like looking forward to like <clears throat> when I go encounter an actual legendary, like what Pokemon's going to be there, you know, because it's not the actual <laughs> like, leg- fucking Pidgey or something. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> it could be. Uh, or like when I wake up the Snorlax, like is it going to be a Snorlax or is it going to be something random? Like I have no idea. Um, oh, or wow. like in Celadon City, uh, there's a spot where you go and get an Eevee from Bill and I op- I got like a Rhyhorn. Like it was just some random fucking Pokemon. Um, so I don't know. I dig that. And like, it's like, I'm filling up the decks really quickly because you just see, like, I've already seen 140 species and there's only 151 in the first game. So like, (laughs) it's fun to see that too. Cause you see Pokemon that you might see once in the entire run of the game, like four five, six times, you know, like I've run into like multiple trainers that have a Mew, which is a Pokemon you don't even see in the main game unless you hack. Wow. (laughs) So like things like that have been really fun, you know? So uh, I'll probably finish it this week. Like, I'm already, like, halfway through it. I just beat the fourth gym. Um, and I'm already, like, I'm, I just got the Sylph Scope uh, from Rocket. So I've got to go do the, the Ghost Tower. And then I can uh, go forward to, to Fuchsia and everything. So I'm, I'm kind of, like, in that middle portion of the game where they're like, go run some errands before you progress the plot. Yeah. So once I'm done with that, um, it'll probably be, like, a pretty straight shot towards the end. So I don't imagine... I don't imagine I have too, too much time left with it, but 
Have um, you been capturing all this footage? So you're going to put together a video for the YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah. So my plan is, I think what I want to do with it is do like a video about, um, you know, kind of like a list thing of like five new ways you can breathe life into old Pokemon games rather than doing one about the randomizer and one about the next thing or whatever. So I don't know. I'm going to see how much good footage I have and like how how much of the script it takes up because if I write it just about this and it's like five minutes, it's like, okay, like can I trim that down to a minute and have it be satisfying or should I do one about the randomizer and then do another one about everything later, you know? I guess we'll see. Yeah, see, see where it takes you. Because I think I could honestly do a whole video about the, the universal Pokemon randomizer tool because it lets you do so many things. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see that. And I think so many people were just being able yeah. to find out how to get this thing set up. Um, and eventually I'd love to see you, like, review. I know you were talking last episode about getting one of those carts that you can flash and then being able to play it in an actual Game mm-hmm. Boy that you were looking at, at getting from one of the Instagrammers that you follow. Yeah. It would be great to see all of that as well and just, like, see this as a whole series that 2021, you're just exploring Game Boy games. Yeah, I was thinking... <clears throat> I was thinking it might be a fun thing to do over the course of the year, you know? And it could be, like a fun thing to do like on streams and stuff like maybe we do like a game boy night you know and like pizza boomer let's watch him play old games uh <laughs> but yeah i i've been having a good time with it and um it's been it's been a fun way to i don't know like just find a new way to enjoy pokemon again and it's got me excited yeah. for playing pokemon in a way i haven't felt in a while um and it, I had a really good conversation with uh, my buddy Mike, who has written for Loot Pots. He's in my band. You've heard him come up if you listen to the show. Um, and I was having a, conver- a deeper conversation with him about how I feel Pokemon's evolved over time for better and worse. And that's another video I'm like I'm working on the script for of like taking notes on all of the like aesthetic differences and stuff that like I'm I'm playing through again and being like, yeah, ah, like this is the thing I miss, you know. And sometimes it's gameplay stuff, sometimes it's how it relays information, and sometimes it's just, like, the lore, you know, and, like, the way that it presents the world, that I, I, have, a, I have a good analogy for it, like, comparing it to, uh, like, Mario and Zelda over the years that I think could be really interesting, like, for a, for a longer, like... Say, say, yeah, save yeah. it for the video. I yeah, yeah, no, it. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, and then the other thing I played, which will you know we'll take over to your your side of things, was uh, was Mario Kart. You know, we did our stream on Thursday uh, with some members of the community. Uh, shout out to everybody who came through. We had Affy and Doc and Zade and um, and Matt. And it was it was a great time. It was it was a really good time. And um, it's the first time I've played Mario Kart in like a long time, and oh, I was yeah. rusty. <laughs> I was really enjoying it at the beginning because I was winning every single race, and then I can't remember the person's name who came in. Terra. I can't remember either. It was yeah, Terra. Terra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terra Killer. Terra came in and just destroyed us all on that bike, and it, Doc's like reaction was priceless. This is no way. How the hell is he like? going so fast at the beginning like i'm i'm driving the exact same bike with the same wheels there's no way he's got to be cheating and i remember uh, we had chewy in the chat and i remember he was going on about how it's like oh that was the closest i've been to terror this time <laughs> 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 and it wasn't it wasn't until like the i don't know fifth or sixth rep 
where there was that one cut where I was like in first for a while, where like I was like beating them and not even realizing I was doing it because I was just paying attention yeah. to the chat. And I was like, oh, right, yeah, I am pretty good at Mario Kart when I've played it in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, and then Zayd, like, jinxed you. Yeah. Was like, not, not to, like, uh, you know, r- ruin your uh, your run or whatever, but uh, you're doing really great in the moment, Pete. I was up, like, 70 <laughs> And then after points. that, it was, like, down to, like, eighth place. It was so bad. Uh, but we had a lot of fun with it. I would love to do some more Mario Kart. I know that that's a, a game yeah. Danny really loves, so we'll maybe have to... Adjust the time. Oh, yeah, definitely need to get Danny in. Yeah. Stupid kids in college and working a job, and he's all busy now. How dare they? Dumbass Zoomers. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And then on uh, on Friday, you and Zade played a little Splatoon 2. I caught, like, the very beginning of the stream before I had to run off and do some some grown-up stuff. Uh, But how did it end up going? Yeah, it was great. We had had an absolute blast. Um... And then my friend Tim joined us as well. He came on mic for a little bit, which was good. So we had like a bit of a a three-team thing. But with Splatoon, because Zade wasn't high enough level, we couldn't go into the ranked matches. We managed to level him up to to level 12, but he's got a little bit way to go before we can play some of the other modes. So I'm hoping he's going to go away, level up throughout the week, and then maybe we can come back uh, this weekend, because this weekend is uh, Splatfest. It's... um, Oh, no! Star versus Mushroom. It's the Super Mario 35th anniversary Splatfest cool. that they're doing. Um, I love that we've just forgotten the fact that we had this final Splatfest and they're just continuing to do new ones now. It's just, just forget that that ever happened. They're even doing t-shirts on My Nintendo yeah. in the UK, uh, which is like crazy that this is a whole thing in Splatoon now. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I need to see if we can play that because some of them are like restricted to region. You can't team up with different oh, regions. That's bullshit. So if this, it, it, yeah, I know. So if that's the case this weekend, then unfortunately we won't be able to stream it. But if it's not, then I'd love to to get you on if you can as well, yeah. and we all can maybe do like team up for if we can get a a fourth person, then that'd be great. I think I I think I should be able to do that. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to go check what my rank is, though. I don't know that I'm high enough. <laughs> oh man, so that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys got to do that. Um, I'm I'm hoping we can do another one soon. I would love to to like have an excuse to play a little more Splatoon. Like it's a game that I've always been drawn to, but like I never really played the first one. Um, it kind of came and went while I was like very poor. Um, well, I it was, mean, it was a Wii U game, so no one played the first one. Well, and it was that same era that I've described of why I missed Pikmin 3. It was like, I was poor, I was <laughs> yeah, in college. I've got no money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you have to make decisions. And it's like, do I want to get this multi- online multiplayer game when I lived in an apartment with A, not very good internet? It was online Nintendo game, so it was like, mm. And uh, I didn't know anyone else who was playing it. So it was like, I ended up getting it as like a Christmas gift from a friend like years later, but like the community had already kind of splintered and I sucked. Oh, and it at was... that point it was like probably ready for Splatoon 2 and the Switch yeah. was on its way. Right. And then so. I picked that up and I just, it was the same thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a crew to play with. So me and my buddy played it for a couple of weeks and then it was kind of like, all right, that's it. Oh, I played the hell out of the game. I checked my time when I, we were on stream because I needed to get my friend code for Zade. Which, by the way, like, I don't know if you've seen, but Max had the same problem as Zade had on uh, this week, which was you can't connect a Twitter account to a Switch anymore. It's completely fucked. It says um, 
this browser is no longer compatible with Twitter.com, so you just cannot connect your account whatsoever. So Zaid was trying to connect his Twitter account so he could like add me as a friend through that because I was a bit, I was uh, busy cooking at that time, so I couldn't get my friend code for him. Uh, and Max has like somehow reset his console or whatever, so couldn't post screenshots. So at the moment, you can't connect a Twitter account at all to a Switch. So I don't know how they're going to solve that problem. I wonder why. Uh, but it, yeah, I don't know why. But I I, if, I've played 190 hours of Splatoon now. I wonder if that's at all related to that that thing. Um, that thing that's going on with um, with like messaging in the in the in Europe. You know, well, what I'm it's not about? a European thing. It's like uh, oh, Zade was having the problem. Zade had though. the problem. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think it's just the browser's too old and they need to update it. Maybe. I'm trying to find my hours on on Splatoon. You might need to open the game and then have a look. That's always Oh yeah. Fun, oh, here it is. Well, it's ranked by total playtime and I know so is it I pretty high up. Uh it's it's like so okay, I know that because of Pik- Pikmin Three is in my recent, and it says that I have over fifteen hours, and it's it's like right below that. Oh my god, you played less than fifteen hours. Yeah, I've not oh, played that sad. much. Yeah, like I, I said, don't know how I managed to put one hundred and ninety hours into that game. I mean, I but just, I love it. And, and you get into like a multiplayer spoken... game, I feel like it's pretty easy to put that much time into it. You know, yeah, it's I just put like so much time in Fortnite as well. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if I'm playing a multiplayer game actively, I'm sure I would have put that much time into it. But I just, like I said, I never had a crew, and like, yeah, that's it's not always that fun like, to play I, by I, yourself. No, like I was playing like two, three hours a night with friends. It was right. great. Like, and it was just an excuse to get on on mic with them and just chat and goof around and, and talk about stuff, which was r- always nice. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, maybe we can maybe we can get into it. I know Zaid wants to play some more. I, I know that. Do you play with I'd Gyro? Like do- you can play with Gyro. Do I don't. You? I hate okay, it. Yeah. No, I, I hate it so much. I don't like. I, it. I know Chewy does because I think he is it- like a big proponent for Gyro yeah. aiming in games. Uh, but I really, really don't like Gyro controls. I can't do it at all. We gotta we gotta do some. We'll, we'll rope Chewy in. I know he said he wanted to do squad up oh yeah chewy's gonna just like he's like really good yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i could see that like a silent just like pro splatoon player probably like s rank that'd be awesome i'd love to see that be so fun oh i'm trying to get macaulay to try the game as well like they're not into shooters because they get frustrated when people shoot kill them but i said yeah but it's just like a, a five second spawn time then you're back in the game yeah that does help the thing I like about Splatoon as well is that if you're not good at shooting, you can still contribute. Like you can just focus oh, yeah. on like map control, and like that's a totally yeah. valid strategy. Which like, which is great, and and hopefully they'll be into it. And the, and even if you're not into shooting, there's so many different uh, weapon types. So you could just be a roller and just yeah. roll around the place and just like cover the map, which ultimately makes you look like the most valuable player at the end because you've contributed so many points to to the map and ha- and so much paint to the map. Yeah, um, that's something that I definitely that's like a strategy that I, I would lean on when I was not feeling comfortable or when I was like playing against like players where I felt like I was kind of like maybe yeah. a little outmatched, you know, um, it was always a little bit easier to just be like, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to just 
like let everybody be in the dogfight, and I'm going to go to the most remote part of the map and just <laughs> paint it, you know? And just... That was the problem we had at the beginning was um, I joined uh, a match, and it matched me because I'm like level 90 or something like that. So it matched me with players of my similar level. Mm-hmm. And then Zade joined, who was level 10, and like wasn't just getting very demolished. Like, yeah, we were just it was not great. So we ended up backing out. I said, Zade, you join you join a match and then I'll join you and hopefully we'll be matched with players who are a little bit more on our level. Because yeah. I was rusty as hell anyway. So it wasn't like I deserved to be matched up with those players because I was not doing great at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That that can have its advantages. Like I remember when I first started playing League of Legends, I was playing with two of my friends um who uh had been playing for a while so they were like always like a a bit above me in terms of like leveling so the like first few months i was playing i was consistently playing with players who were like above my skill level and it forced me to get better so then i remember like when i was actually into the game enough to start playing it by myself i would like fucking clean up in games by myself because i was like ranked with people at my rank level but i've been used to playing with people in like silver you know so i'm just like oh i'm a fucking g now in this this, like you know (laughs) beginner's range (laughs) that's good yeah i mean that's that's one way one way to do it i I wish splatoon did what like what diablo does which is kind of when you play with someone who's a higher level than you you get more experience Mm -hmm. when you're playing against higher rank players and so you level up quicker because I think that would have been a fairer option rather than like Zay getting the same number of points that I get when we win a match. He's significantly lower level. It should be kind of weighted a little bit differently. Yeah. And hopefully that's something they fix in Splatoon 3. I know Splatoon 2 had huge improvements over Splatoon 1 in terms of matchmaking and ranking and just quality of life improvements. And I'm sure they'll do the same in Splatoon 3, which is coming 2021, right? That's one of my predictions. That's what you said. We'll see. <laughs> uh all right so let's, let's hop into the news um like i said pretty busy news week this week but a lot of it's kind of like quick hits like there's not too much to say about some of the news but it's all interesting yeah. um so the first bit we wanted to jump into is like just like a little bit of like a kind of like a human interest story that was making the rounds this week there is a um a twitter user uh by the name of uh at hey i'm heroic uh, that's hey, I am heroic, uh, who is a self-proclaimed me expert uh, who was making the rounds this week because they uncovered that the NPCs in Breath of the Wild uh, apparently use an advanced version of the me format. So if you do a little bit of modding, you can actually include, um, you know, custom faces in the game uh, just by like throwing in whatever me's you're used to. So, uh, Hey, I'm heroic. Uh, AKA Alice had said that they were, they were like maybe interested in doing like commissions of like injecting me's into people's games and stuff. There's like a whole Twitter thread that you can go like get in on and everything. Um, where they're, they're, they have like a library of like all the officially documented me's and everything that you can like work on injecting and all, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so I thought this was a just like a super interesting thing. Like, a it, it's just cool, but I also really like how games like Breath of the Wild and games that are like this big 
that like can come out and then years later like we're still finding secrets out about yeah, them we're still so cool. uncovering new information about the way that it works um i think that's one of the most fun things about gaming you know I, I i love it and i i think this is so cool and the fact that just one person uncovered this is just crazy to me like um, how how do you figure this out you know i have no idea you must just Would be taking around with the code yeah yeah just going, oh, I wonder if a me would work in work in here, which is great. Um, but I saw a bunch of of developers like quote tweeting this or retweeting this because it's had a it's had eighteen thousand retweets and eighty six thousand likes. This just totally blew up on Twitter this yeah. week, and just saying that this kind of thing, yeah, might take longer at the beginning, but save so much time, especially considering Nintendo's been using the me's forever at this point since like what two thousand five, two thousand six when the when the I Wii think, came out. I think it's like late 2005 so yeah since 2005 so like even now 16 years later we've got me still being used in games mm-hmm. um and the fact that you can just like slot in a a, a me from wii sports and it like just looks 100 percent like it but in the zelda style it's so so cool i love it yeah like in the original um post they showed four examples uh one of them is uh matt from wii sports one of them is the gunner from smash ultimate there's barrett from final fantasy 7 the the wii gunner me fighter gunner that they had made that skin they have that one injected (laughs) and then they have their personal me that they included and everything and it's like what's cool about it is you look at it and they don't look like me's at all like the fact that they use this technology to be like we're gonna use the base you know me layout or whatever and and like create this system that adapts that into the breath of the wild style is like so clever you know like like you said i'm sure that it was a lot of work up front but after that you don't have to model any faces for the whole game right like yeah that's pretty awesome you've already got it all it would have been so cool if you could have seen some of your friend lists or just like randomly populated me, in the just world like randomly around yeah like oh look there's pete that would have been so cool oh, that, i wonder if that was an idea that they had at one point i bet i bet the, i bet the reason it it wouldn't work is because there are i don't know if you ever experimented with this but if you recall in the original me sorry the original we uh there was that me marketplace thing where you could like just search other people's random me styles and like download them and i remember i had a bunch that were like crazy ones like um i had one that was spider-man and it was someone had like adjusted all the face to make the spider-man shape which would look obviously fucking horrific in in (laughs) like the nose upside down yeah yeah Yeah. and and, like (laughs) his when his eyes would blink they would be like in his cheeks it was really creepy uh, and like there were other no, ones. I remember doing those. And prior to that marketplace, there was like a website you could go to which told you how to do them. And it was the steps. It was like get the nose, yeah. move it four clicks up, then like bring this face down. We had a bunch of celebrities that I remember we added in. Yep. So they would like show up in the crowd and Wii Sports and stuff. I remember all I had uh, weird, weird stuff. And me and my friends would all like exchange them. So we'd have similar ones. Like it would be a mixture of like famous people fictional characters and then just like people we knew so like i remember the funniest thing that ever happened was i remember um for Wii sports we had made one of um of hitler because we wanted to box him and i remember we had a like there was like a randomizer and my friend's dad came up 
and it was my friend's dad versus Hitler, and he was just beating the shit out of him. Like, it was so fucking funny. It was like the dumb things you do when you're like a teenager, you know? But like, oh yeah, we did. I remember we did Saddam Hussein as well, which was kind of uh, time centric. <laughs> sure, <laughs> a little dated. Uh, but yeah, just yeah. like random stuff like that, you know, just like, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> you could you could really get anybody worked in here. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I thought this was just like a super fun story. Um, so, you know, go check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a cool thing for sure. Uh, shout out to, yeah, to and go, Hey, I'm and, Heroic. And go drop them a follow on, uh, on Twitter if you're not already, because mm-hmm. they do a bunch of stuff, a bunch of exploration with, with me's and, and other things. There's tutorials that they're posting constantly. And they have like um, under 10k really, really followers stuff. right now, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, go go drop them a follow on on Twitter. They're they're definitely worth uh, worth your time. Yeah, I was like thinking it might be fun to like reach out to them and like get a commissioned version of Breath of the Wild that like has me's that we know like populating all the faces. Like that would be so cool, that could be yeah. fu- that could be a fun thing to like maybe do as a collab or something. Well, I mean, I'd I'd love to get them on the show as well and just uh, do. Yeah do an interview find out what they what they did so i might uh might drop them a dm yeah we should reach out that would be cool we've been talking about doing more interviews this year so i would i would love to pick her brain and see how the fuck she figured this out because that's so cool (laughs) uh all right so uh next item on the news list this week uh monster hunter rise had its demo come to the eShop this week and it was so popular that it crashed the eShop. uh this was crazy I remember like seeing this pop off. Um, I think like eShop down was like trending on Twitter or whatever. And I was like, oh, like what's happening? And the fact that like this demo was so popular that everybody was just trying to get in on it. That's huge. Like that speaks volumes about how popular this game is going to be. Which I didn't realize. I had no idea that Monster Hunter was just. Monster Hunter is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially overseas. And, I, and I've seen a bunch of people playing it. Oh yeah, Japan was where it, that it was from the Japanese Nintendo account that they tweeted out right. that it's gone down for emergency maintenance because they just couldn't cope with the number of downloads for Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, yeah. So it's I think it's definitely a, a very Japanese centric game, um, but I, I think it's also popular in the West. The only one I've ever played for Monster Hunter is the original on the PSP. I've never played another Monster. Wow. Hunter. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like Monster Hunter was always kind of niche in the West until, uh, World. Like, World was, like, the first one that I felt like was, like, a real breakout hit. Which makes sense, I guess, that kind of game is in vogue now. And whereas, like, it used to be... And it's kind of the first one that came to a home console. No, it used to be a home console series. Um, Uh, like, it was originally on the PSP, then No, it it was originally on PS2. The one that you played was a port. Oh, okay. So PS2, but then it went very handheld after yeah, that. It was on PSP and, so this and is- 3DS and, you know, they had the one on Wii U, which was the same as the 3DS one, but yeah. that was like the first, like, it's on a console only for the first time in like two generations. It was quite a bit. Um, and yeah, and it was always kind of like a thing that like my niche, like, you know, Japanophile anime fan friends were into, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah, Monster Hunter fucking rules. Um, but it was not. It seems that- like people that are into Xenoblade are into this kind of game. Same kind of audience for sure. Like, yeah. there's like a Venn diagram of interest there of like, this is like the real, 
like spreadsheety JRPG type games, you know, of like it's it's a gear grind. It's you know, it's a min max kind of game, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think obviously it's been a big thing in Japan for a long time. But with World, I think it really like it hit a brand new audience and it became like I think it's either the best selling or fastest selling game from Capcom. I forget which. But you got to imagine this game is going to blow up on Switch. Because Monster Hunter was already pretty popular. It's already blown up with the demo. So I would imagine a bunch of those people have pre-ordered it straight away. And it's not long till it's release. Uh, 1st of February, is it? Or I'm trying to... Is that when the demo goes down? It's sometime in February anyway. So it's the the demos available until February 1st. The actual game released on March 26th. Okay. Where did they're taking the demo down? Prior to the game, they're probably doing a last round of of like uh, of patching. I would imagine like they'll do the demo, yeah. survey everybody for how the experience was, see if there are like common complaints, take it offline for another month and a half, patch everything up, put it out in like a stronger state. You know, you see that with those like last minute betas for online games of like, okay, let's stress test everything. And we crashed, crashed the eShop. Okay. Obviously there's still some work to do. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, Nintendo did those for the, for arms, didn't they? The global test punch and the, uh, the test fire for Splatoon. Splatoon they did the, yeah. Launch, and so. the, the splat tests yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, par for the course, I would say, except for the fact that it was obviously a huge success for them, which is, Great to see. Uh, I'm not personally a Monster Hunter fan. Um, respect the series for what it is. Had is. I've had fun with it. I liked World for what it was. Just not really my kind of game. Um, I don't like play. You know, I, I, see, that's weird to me because it's, you're playing Horizon and Horizon and Monster Hunter World seem to be like quite similar in gameplay. The, the difference is that Horizon is an RPG Right, like it, it, the the point of the game is that it's a single player story RPG. Like it's to play and advance your character to keep advancing the story and everything. Whereas Monster Hunter, the reason I can't connect with it is the story is not there. It's a means to an end. Right, like at least in World, there was there was a story. None of the characters had names or anything. It was just like oh, that sucks. Hunter, you know, like oh yeah, I'm the chief of the hunters, and like it's very like. It's just to, it's a through line to bring you to the next thing to have an excuse for you to do stuff. And, you know, when it is an online game that, like, isn't, I I don't like online games like that. Like, I don't like MMOs. And it's essentially an MMO, you know, or like, uh, or like a Destiny, right? Where it is like the always online gear based kind of thing where the entire point of the game is to keep playing the game. Right. And you constantly play the game to get more gear, to do more raids, to fight the next monster, to do the next challenge. Like, I just don't like games like that because I don't I don't get into the loop and I don't feel like the sense of progression is there enough for me where like especially all if I end up playing that game with people, I always am less inclined to get like obsessively invested in a game like that. So my friends will. And then they'll get further than me, and then they're dragging me along on yeah. quests, and it's and it, it's the same thing that happened with me with WoW, same thing that happened with Monster Hunter World. Anytime I've ever play, tried to play a game like this with people, I just fall out because it's not what I want, you know. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I mean it's not for everyone, but I think Monster Hunter Rise is more of that traditional single player, so it does seem like there maybe. is some kind of story in there. So maybe that will be one to check out. I think I might check the demo out. 
this week if I've got time. Maybe we stream report it. Report back next week. Yeah, I'm I'm up for streaming streaming it if you uh, we'll try it out. if you want to. Yeah, maybe we'll give it a go. Uh, but either way, um, it's been fixed, so you can get it now. You've got a few weeks to check out the demo. Uh, check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll give it a stream if you guys are interested. Let us know. All right, so jumping into the next story, this is one I'm real excited about. Uh, Limited Run Games has announced um, multiple editions of a Scott Pilgrim vs. the World bundle. Um, you know, if you're new to the show, if you haven't heard us talk about this, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game uh, is the tie-in game to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the film made by Edgar Wright in like 2009, which is an adaption of the graphic novel series Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So uh, it's a little complicated, but um, this game came out around the time of the film. Uh, it featured music from Anamanaguchi, who is like an awesome, awesome chiptune rock band that I'm a big fan of. Um, and the game is kind of like has been like a cult classic. It was a game that was really beloved when it came out by the fan base of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, it's a you know 2D pixel-based beat-em-up with great chiptune music, um, which was kind of novel when it came out, right? The whole like retro revival thing was still kind of new then. Uh, and yeah. the, the game has existed in this place of um, just rights hell for like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's it. So that's why it got delisted, right? Yeah. the... The rights, the rights, the rights for the movie, or the like, rights to the the basically the it IP, was, not the music, because usually it's music with these kind of things. That's why Crazy Taxi disappeared forever. There was this whole weird thing with it where the rights were in a lot of different hands because the the film rights are owned by Universal, and the game is a, a connected to the film, so it is, I think, technically the film thing. So it was. It was a universal, but it was published by Ubisoft. Anamanaguchi did the music, and they wanted to see it re-released. They've been championing, saying they wanted it to come back out for like over a decade, so they weren't standing in the way. Brian Lee O'Malley, who's the creator of Scott Pilgrim, wasn't directly involved, but like he's also been like fighting for it, like saying he wanted it to come back. Like him and Anamanaguchi specifically have been like on Twitter about this for years. Like, let's get the game back, let's get it back. Um so I think it was finally just a perfect storm of there'd been enough fan outcry where like whoever at Ubisoft or whatever was finally like, yeah, like, let's do it. And they went through the trouble and and got it set up again. And it's got all the DLC. And then if you want to pick up this this physical edition, they've got multiple versions that come with like all kinds of cool stuff. There's a guidebook. There's uh, an overworld map. They have a whole set of enamel pins that you can buy. There's like. Uh, monogram yeah, pins like cool yeah they're really cool there's like a card set there's guitar picks drumsticks sticker sheet like obviously um two different boxes for the game one of which is like a play on sonic adventure which is really cool um that's all like new original art uh oh, that's where i recognize that from yeah it's it's the same the same uh yeah. the same like so you're pose. buying the 140 forty dollar edition right I don't think I'm going to get the $140 edition. I think I'm going to get the $50 one because I'm getting married and I have a budget. Yeah, but I want I it. I want it because the, the, the expensive one comes with a roadie case, which is just oh fucking my God. incredible. And it plays music. Like the, it's a music box. 
Did you see that? It's oh, a little, no way. You open the gig box and it plays Anamanaguchi and like the band is on stage. Like, I want it real bad. It's so cool. Oh, and the case looks like a Mega Drive case. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And they've got a um, they've got a version on PS4 as well. So uh, that's yeah, an option. Like, who, who, who wants that? Do we yeah. want the Switch version? They have like concert tickets for the Clash of Demon Head, which is like one of the bands in universe, which is really cool. It's fucking awesome. It's so good. Uh, I'm a hundred percent getting a version of this. We'll see what happens. So, so the cheapest version is thirty five dollars, which is yeah, nice. It's, that's just the normal. Not too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a game I would probably have gotten just the regular version if they didn't have it, just because obviously there's been this whole saga of it coming up and being delisted, and this is the first time you've ever been able to own a physical copy. So I would like to like secure my copy and make sure that it doesn't get lost uh to the annals of time again yeah it's funny limited run is getting it over to the uk's pain in the ass i had that same issue with my copy of divinity original sin yeah cost so much if you if you want it and you want to send me the money i can get you a copy and like i know we have to do a exchange again at some point either either way because of the snacks or like the next time we're going to send each other stuff or the next time you come to the you know states or I go to Europe whatever like we can figure it out uh if you want me to buy it and sit on it for you uh but either way I'm excited I'll be getting this maybe I'll do some kind of unboxing or something on the show like we'll figure it out yeah that would be cool uh all right so jumping into the next one Mario Party developer ND Cube is uh apparently recruiting for a new game so pretty exciting um, you can, you know, probably imagine that it's a Super Mario Party 2. Um, that's what I hope yeah, it is. Possibly. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, they all- really want them to port that, that, um, minigame collection. That's all I want. Just the minigame collection. <sighs> I know. Maybe it's Amiibo Festival too. Who knows? Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... I I feel like Super Mario Party showed a lot of promise and And then didn't get the DLC it deserved. Yeah. So I I'm open to the idea of a sequel. I feel like with the right, you know, now with the feedback they've gotten, with the right learnings, hopefully they could make something that's a little bit more what we want, something that has more See, legs. I don't, I don't think it needs a sequel. I just think it needs DLC. It just needs like a mini game pack. It needs a board pack. It needs it balancing needs too, stuff. though. I think. Like, I I think that they they changed some stuff that was not good. Like lowering the the cost of stars made it way too easy to get stars. That's always been a case. So like, they, there's been many cases in Mario Party games where the stars have changed, but the. Like I really missed the the teams that they used to do. So from Mario Party Four, you could I think even Mario Party Three, you could team up and you could play like two v two, and it was like whoever got to the star first from that team could choose to buy the star. And that was always how we played it as a family. It would be like me and mom versus like my brother and my dad. Sure. So I, I I'm I'm looking forward to whatever they do. They always do party games. So whatever it is, I'm sure it'd be something that I'll be interested in. I just really but want a good Mario Party game, man. Like, me too. You I know miss what? Hudson. Now that we've opened up um, the Twitch channel to stuff that's non-Nintendo, we should really play Pummel Party. It's like a spiritual successor that someone made on Steam. It's a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. I mean, the other alternative is to 
playing Mario Party through other means. That's illegal, Steve. That's illegal. Uh, we would never do that. Never. Okay. No. Well, okay. We- well, I'll wait till you come here then, and I'll put it put it in my GameCube. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> all right let's uh let's jump into the mail pop before we get into our main topic here so this one comes from will goodwin on youtube who write, wrote in and said happy holidays podcast i love the sweatshirt talk at the beginning of the episode and i appreciate steve's nickelodeon orange sweatshirt i also love anytime steve talks about wario land 4 it's my favorite gba game and i think it has a really unique take on the puzzle platformer genre on that note what's your second favorite gba game and what would you recommend someone looking for a game similar to wario land 4 regardless of platform Take it easy and God bless truckers. <laughs> so many references oh, in that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> um, okay, my second favorite GBA game is really difficult because I didn't have many GBA games. Toy Story mainly, 2. Like, that's, it, sadly, that's not, not one of the ones. But um, I would say I, I played the hell out of Super Mario World on GBA. Hell yes. I really loved that. Yeah. Um and I love the Game and Watch collections. I only ha- I had one on the G- on the Game Boy Color and I played the hell out of that on the on the GBA as well. Uh, and they're really nice like just playing little mini games and I would imagine that WarioWare on the GBA is pretty good but I never had that. So if you mm. like the Wario Star games, I would say that WarioWare is pretty good. Um and a game similar to Wario Land 4 regardless of platform. I mean you could play some of the other Wario Lands it or Wario World. Who knew that was a game? That's that exists. I've never played it, but it, I would imagine it's very similar in, in game style. But I loved Warrior Land. It was such a such a unique game. I'm trying to think of like stuff that's similar to that. I mean, in terms of games that I really like, uh, shout out to Gen Three Pokemon games. Uh, Ruby Sapphire and Emerald are up there for me. Um, and yeah, uh, that was where I I beat super mario world um obviously there's that famous story of me playing it on the super nintendo at my mom's client's house and everything but um it wasn't until i got it on gba where i was actually able to finish it and like explore all the secrets and all that stuff um i remember going on cheatcc.com and like looking up a guide for how to get the (laughs) the blue flying yoshi and everything and like just stupid stuff like that um, but for games that are similar, the first game that came to mind is not really similar at all, but Celeste came to mind for me as like a platformer that has puzzle elements because a lot of it is about solving how you get through the level, which has yeah. kind of a puzzle vibe. And, and getting the strawberries. Yeah. So like, it's not quite the same. It's a lot more twitch. It's a lot more like hard puzzle like platforming, but. You might get something out of that. It's a great game either way, if you like platformers. All right. So this next one comes from uh, one of our Patreon supporters, that doc guy who wrote in and said, I've got an idea as a suggestion for games to play, and this is topical to the mods discussion and emulators and all that. I've recently come across a system. What? what what's up? I just saw a perfect game. What's that? Inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, Inside um, it would be so perfect. Or Limbo. Limbo. Right, that's the other one. Same deal. Platformer, all about puzzles. That's a great, that's a great yeah. call. 
Um, so back to Doc's comment. I've recently come across a system that enables Ocarina of Time online, which is also compatible with randomizers. It works with Majora's Mask, and I think you can pull off Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, and to that, to answer your question, I finished a Vanilla Twilight Princess. I'm back on a randomizer, but I'm almost done with that as I'm writing this now, and then I'm going on to switch to Mario Sunshine. But I can hook up Steve with an all-in-one emulator as well as a few solid ROMs from the N64 era. Um... That's exciting. Yeah, I think that 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 could be a fun thing to do on stream, like set up some like weird. I've it might be the first time I've ever finished Ocarina of Time. I've like started. We need to do that. And then gave up. We've, we talked about that two <laughs> years ago of doing a stream series where you where we make you play Ocarina of Time and I'll just watch. I'll comment. Comment. All right. Well, let's 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 start that. Let's do that then. We'll make a schedule. Yeah, we'll figure it out because we have to get my Pokemon stuff in there too. Maybe we alternate. That could be a, that could be a thing. It's like yeah. you know, mod, modded Monday or something. Sure, that's fun. All right, you guys, let us know what you think about that. All right, so let's jump into the main topic this week. Uh, main piece of news here: big, big headlines. Uh, Nintendo has acquired Next Level Games. So, uh, for those of you who are not in the know, uh, Next Level Games probably I, I, I would say best known uh, for at least recently, right? Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, they're the yeah. team behind that game. But to kind of take them back and contextualize them through their history with Nintendo, uh, they became a partner of Nintendo's first in 2005 where they worked on um, Super Mario Strikers on the GameCube, which was the yeah. soccer... Uh, known as Mario Smash Football, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> right, so soccer here in the States, uh, football over across the pond. Um, so... You know they've been they've been a partner of Nintendo's for you know fifteen years. Um, they've worked on some pretty key titles, and you know uh, this was interesting because you know Steve and I were talking about this kind of off mic when the news broke, and one of the things Steve talked about doing in his predictions episode or in the prediction episode was to predict that they would acquire a new studio. Um, he didn't because they really haven't done that in a long time. It's been quite some time since Nintendo. Uh, acquired a studio, let alone a studio who they've had kind of one of their more standard development partnerships with, right? Like someone like uh, an Intelligent Systems or, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the last one was what, Retro? Yeah. Games? Yeah, it would have been Retro. Um, and but Yeah, like HAL Labs, for example, they've been working with since like the 80s. Since HAL's Still totally independent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, you see these kinds of relationships at Nintendo, like, are pretty common, right, of studios that exclusively work with them but are not owned. Uh, so this, this made a lot of waves. Um, but, you know, it does make a lot of sense, right? Like, um, Next Level Games has, has been a big seller for Nintendo. Um, we, we have a few tweets here from, uh, Daniel Ahmed on Twitter, uh, at JungEX, who's, uh, a, a, a a commentator who who you know deals in numbers and and all that kind of stuff. Is Great that follow. How you pronounce that? I've never known how you pronounce that. What? Zhugi? Zhugi yeah. X? I don't know. Yeah. It's Z H. It's Z huge E X is what it is. <laughs> um, I have no idea how you're supposed to pronounce that, but Daniel Ahmad, uh, well worth a follow on Twitter if you don't follow him. Um. So one of the things he called out uh, in his thread about it when the news broke on the 5th was that um, they've been exclusively working with Nintendo since 2011, 
And uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 sold over 8 million units, which means it's on track to outsell the previous two games in the franchise combined. So obviously, you know, big hit with Luigi's Mansion 3. They've been delivering for Nintendo for a long time. Makes sense that they'd want to solidify the partnership. But um, Daniel had a few more tweets here that offer some kind of context and speculation that I just wanted to read through real quickly. And then we can kind of talk through our own thoughts on it. Uh, Next Level Games has helped increase the value of Nintendo's IP, and it's clear the developer can produce multi-million selling hits. What changed recently is that the owners of Next Level Games were looking to sell their shares in the company and began talking to potential buyers. Nintendo quicked, sorry, Nintendo moved to acquire the studio for three key reasons. One, to acquire a talented studio with proven success. Two, to strengthen internal development on owned IP. Three, to avoid the next level games um, being sold to a different company whose interests may not lie with those of Nintendo, right? And you can you can see historical precedent for that with Rare. It's Rare, yeah. It's and exactly that was my happened. initial thought because I, I remember messaging you and I said, like, I can imagine Microsoft has been sniffing around because uh, Phil Spencer has been very vocal about saying, we need to get some more family-friendly games on the platform. Mm-hmm. And we also want games that speak to a Japanese audience. And next-level games are both of those things. Right. So if they would have been a great fit for Microsoft, but I can see why Nintendo wouldn't want to lose such a, a huge partner for them who has worked with them for now over a decade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it clearly makes sense, right? And I think I wouldn't be surprised, and we're going to talk about this more in a minute, but... I wouldn't be surprised if you see Nintendo make more acquisitions like this over the next couple of years because uh, the studios that they do rely on, that they do have those longer histories with, you've seen what can happen if if they don't snap them up, if they don't lock them down, right? Like, they lost Rare. That was a huge blow to them and did not help Rare as a company. For a long time, they struggled to find a new identity. Obviously, they're kind of finding it now. I um, loved Grab by the Ghoulies for what it's worth. I thought that game was great. I'm not even saying that the games were bad. I just, I think that like thinking about what a powerhouse developer Rare was in the 90s versus what they were when they were acquired by Xbox where they kind of languished for like an entire generation before, you know, we had the Rare and replay I, I think that and then says more on, and I think it says more on Xbox's management than on Rare. The fact I, that they just put them on shitty Connect games and to make the... Yeah microsoft avatars it's like i totally agree such a huge talent languish yeah yeah and and that's that's no shade at rare my point is that losing that that partnership was clearly beneficial for both of them and nintendo let it slide and look at it right like we haven't gotten a good single player donkey kong game uh like for what freeze yeah which was like 10 years after that more um, yeah. and, and and even then, that's not really the same game. No, like it's a country game, but right. But I mean, yeah, that was rare as well, different. right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, originally. Um, yeah. So you you can see how that's happened, right? And then there was also um, earlier this year, or was it in twenty nine? Not this year anymore. Twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? I don't quite remember where it was, but the um, what are they called? The Mario and Luigi developer that got closed down. Oh, level five. Right. Level five was a studio that they had worked with for years, didn't acquire, and they had financial trouble and now they're gone. Right. So like, what's the future of that franchise? 
does Nintendo now have to like find a new partner, build a new studio, like any of those things where they probably could have bought that studio when it was struggling and failing and like, and kept it running and do something with it, you know? Um, so you can see why they would maybe want to make this acquisition with like such a key partner, right? That isn't struggling and that is selling multi, you know, multi-million copies of, of a Luigi's Mansion, you know? Luigi's Mansion, beloved franchise, never been a system seller, never been a huge uh, mover of sales. Eight million is nothing to sneeze at for Luigi's Mansion. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I was always surprised they didn't acquire more studios, like Hudson, for example. I think it's because they don't need to. You know, and and they've been able to keep them on the hook for a long time without doing that. But now it's like a buyer's market. And, like... Yeah, I, I bet I bet you you'll see their hand get forced a few more times like this. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I kind of hope so. I always prefer companies to be under first party control. My concern is that I don't want to see every game become exclusive to different platforms. I don't want them to all be Microsoft Studios or all be Sony Studios or all be Nintendo Studios because I do like the fact that there is choice for people. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Nintendo has always had most of their partners make exclusive games for them anyway. Yeah, and that's my thing is for me, I only I only care about seeing this when it's already exclusive anyway, right? Like Intelligent Systems or any of these other kinds of similar studios are already only making games for Nintendo for the most part. So like we as consumers don't lose anything if they get bought out. All they have is financial stability and security, which is good for any studio. You know, um, like you look at like like um, I almost said Naughty Dog uh, 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 Insomniac, right? Finally getting acquired by PlayStation now. You know, they were working with PlayStation almost exclusively for like since the PS2. Yeah, and Microsoft should have bought them when they had the chance. Yeah. Oh, and, and you look at that, right? The few times that they went and made multi-platform games didn't work out for them that well. And then they came back to Sony after doing Sunset Overdrive and they did that multiplayer game that like fuse or whatever that like failed um and then what did they come back and do with sony they made fucking spider-man which is like the best-selling game they've ever made you know um so it's in itself is crazy that sony dished that ip out that they have exclusive rights to to a third-party studio at that time fucking spider-man yeah that's insane yeah it's wild um so i i think in situations like this like it's pretty much exclusively a good thing you know, because um, I'm generally not one to want to see studios get acquired, right? Like the whole Bethesda getting bought by Xbox was cool as a news story. It's it's awesome for me as a consumer because I own Game Pass. But like, I would rather that not have been the case. I would rather there not be more media consolidation. But when you're talking about, you know, small to mid-sized studios that are already existing under the umbrella and wing of Nintendo, like... I'd rather see them have stability and security and be able to grow and hire more people and, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about comparisons with Microsoft acquisitions, I think it's most similar to Obsidian, where they are a mid-level studio who are making games. In Obsidian's case, it wasn't exclusive, but the fact that Microsoft could give them such an injection of cash and right. give them the freedom to work on what they want. Well, you know, under Nintendo, hopefully, Next Level will just be able to make 
games for Nintendo using Nintendo's franchise as an IP and not have to worry about, do we have the money for this? Do we need to, you know, do we have to hit deadlines in order to be able to pay staff? Or like pitching, you know, the next like ideas, like all those kinds of things become easier, you know? Um, because it's a straight line and like you the obsidian example you brought up is a great example right because obsidian a studio known for making great games known for making high quality experiences whether it's you know new vegas or south park um they they know how to make a good rpg uh the problem has been that when you're a studio of that size you have that many mouths to feed and you need that many people to make the kind of games that you make like every project when it's over it's like okay well we need to figure out what the next project is and who's funding it or we or we're done you know, and that's the risk every time. Now that's never yeah. a risk again, right? They want to make the Outer Worlds too. They'll probably have a budget that's twice the size, and it's just guaranteed. You know, and Microsoft wins because they own the IP. You know, and and like win win, great, okay, cool. So for a studio like that, yeah, it's it's only a good thing. I think um, as long as it doesn't change the studio, right? It's when you have acquisitions like. Something like EA where like you see a studio get bought and then gutted or bought and forced to make a kind of game that doesn't work or just isn't for them or whatever. And then it flops. But if like with the next level games, Nintendo is happy with what they're doing. That's why they're buying them. They're like, just keep doing the thing. You know, like to me, that's that's cool. That's a good that's good news. Um, so I want to read a couple more of Daniel's tweets and then we'll, we'll continue the conversation. Over the past few years, we've seen an increase in M&A activity? Mergers and acquisitions. Thank you. We've seen an increase in mergers and acquisitions activity in the video game sector with large tech and gaming companies acquiring development studios. In most cases, this is fueled by the rising value of IP and the need to build talented teams. In this case, Nintendo is not engaging in M&A for the same reason that Microsoft did in regards to Bethesda. For them, it's simply the three reasons above with the primary aim to strengthen internal development and integrate next-level games as an integral team working on owned IP. There won't be much change to Nintendo's M&A strategy going forward, and I don't expect them to engage in the same way that other gaming-slash-tech companies have done. Uh, Nintendo may make additional moves to secure studios like Intelligent Systems or Grezzo if needed, though. Nintendo's greatest asset is its IP, and what's uh, and that is what shapes its M&A philosophy. So, yeah, I mean, again, like I could see Microsoft sniffing around intelligent systems, get themselves a, a developer that is capable of making a JRPG. Japanese market and, and get themselves a JRPG. And I don't know who owns Fire Emblem's IP. Is that a Nintendo it's a Nintendo. IP or... Okay, yeah. I figured. But I would like Advance Wars, for example, is that a Nintendo IP as well? Or is that Intelligent Systems that owns that? I'm going to confirm. Hmm. Yeah, so Fire Emblem's only been developed by Intelligent Systems, but it's only been published by Nintendo. But I don't know who owns the rights to it. I, th- I do still think it's Nintendo. I would imagine it's Nintendo, yeah. Because um, you don't see Intelligent Systems' name anywhere near that thing Mm -mm. interesting huh okay well let's see advanced wars now which is basically says the same thing so i I think it's i think it's i think it's the same deal where it's owned by nintendo yeah and that's generally how publishing deals work anyway right so 
To some extent, but like look at Obsidian, for example, they had that deal with Private Division, but they owned and retained the rights mm-hmm. to the IP, and now Microsoft has it. To be fair, that is also the conceit of Private Division. Like that's the entire structure of Private okay. Division. Well, then look at say um, Insomniac that we spoke about with uh, what was it, Sunset Overdrive. That's now a Sony IP. They own that. Yes. It's not Microsoft's. Yeah. So that is, it does happen where some studios do retain the rights to. The IP. Yeah, that can happen. But like you look at like um, like Dark Souls is owned by Bando Namkai, even though and Crash Bandicoot is owned by Activision, even though it was a Naughty Dog game. Yeah. And that was sold. But, you know, um, either way, I, I think what Daniel's saying in terms of like this not being representative of a change to their strategy, I would say I agree with that. I think if anything, the forced additional acquisitions that I discussed, I think would be based on their hand being forced in this way where someone else is sniffing yeah. around and they're like, well, we're not, we're not willing to lose a Grezzo or an intelligent systems or how the hell is intelligent systems, not a first party studio. Have you seen their history? They've only made Nintendo games like literally or literally only Nintendo games since 1983 when they, they worked on Mario brothers they have only made games for Nintendo. The exception is they pushed out an iOS game, Fire Emblem Heroes, which is still a Nintendo game. Right. Wow, but they've yeah. never worked on another platform. They've never worked on a, ni- a non-Nintendo platform, yeah. They even made a game for the Virtual Boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they made that Alleyway game that we spoke about the other week that was one of my first yeah. Game, Boy, uh, game Boy games. Yeah, wow. It's mental. Yeah, that's actually insane that they have never been bought. <laughs> that they've never been bought. Huh. Yeah, it's it's literally the same thing as Hal. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, so I mean, one of the things we said we wanted to talk about was kind of like what are, who are the, the studios we could see getting getting acquired in that way? I think Intelligent Systems uh, is is a number one choice. You know, they're behind a few of their their better known franchises between Fire Emblem and Paper yeah. Mario, um, and WarioWare. We talked about earlier, right? Uh, I think you'd want to keep all those in house. You don't want to like have to build a new studio. You don't want to have to go through that, especially as Fire Emblem is becoming more relevant. So I think that's easy um how's another one like i think if somebody if somebody wanted them it would be you know they've actually developed stuff on other platforms but not a lot no not much and like you know they're the team that was behind the original smash brothers pokemon snap kirby they've Kirby, yeah, obviously kirby they've worked on huge huge games mother as well i mean obviously not relevant anymore but no. But yeah, I think so. I, I think, can, yeah, I could see how. I mean, I, I, I kind of consider them like a game freaks. Another one, like I'm surprised they just don't own. I only, I only think they don't own Game Freak because of the Pokemon company's relevance in the conversation of the rights management of Pokemon. Right, that like they basically made the deal with Blue and Red. Right when Nintendo brought the project in and incubated it and like helped it actually get done that like Nintendo owns 
I'm pretty sure the way that the rule, like the deal is, is that Nintendo owns Pokemon game rights in perpetuity and for at least console games and, and handhelds and stuff. And uh, the Pokemon company controls everything else. Yeah. So, like, I don't really feel like it makes sense for them to buy Game Freak because Game Freak isn't really that important <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. It's Pokemon. Like, Game Freak could close tomorrow and Pokemon would still get made, you know? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, creatures as well. They're another contender. Sure. They worked on the original Smash Bros. and Pokemon Snap with HAL. They did apparently the 2D illustrations for, for the Pokemon models. Oh, that's um, cool. They worked on Smash Bros. Melee for character stage and figure modeling. Mm-hmm. A bunch of Pokemon games. Like They seem to do all the spin-off Pokemon games. Yeah, and I know they, they like do Detective support Pikachu. on everything. Yeah. Like creatures. I, 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 I don't know. It's, I, 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 I kind of don't think they would need to be acquired. But uh, uh, Trendy Brandy makes a, a good point, which was level five, which we spoke about. Um, yeah, here's, let me and, read the question. So this one comes from Trendy Brandy, one of our Patreon supporters, pulling this out of the mail pot. What acquisitions would you like to see? either from developers who've already worked with Nintendo or even smaller third parties. Grezzo is a more likely choice, and I wish Alpha Dream didn't kick the bucket, but my number one pick for a Nintendo buyout is level five. After announcing they closed their overseas operations, I just don't want to say goodbye to Professor Layton. I never got into Yokai Watch either. Give me the chance, Nintendo. Yeah, I really liked the... Uh, well, my mom really loved the Professor Layton series. I dabbled in them, but my mom was big into those on the DS. Uh, and I and I don't see them acquiring level five just because of the they have closed their overseas operation and it seems to be that Nintendo wants to move a lot more into the West with their acquisitions. Like you look at Retro, you look at um, yeah, they're both North American studios because mm-hmm. Next Level's in Vancouver, right? Yeah, Canadian. Um, and of course, Retro is in Texas. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't see them buying studios like that either because I don't think that Nintendo's in the business of buying struggling studios and fixing them. I think they're in the business of acquiring things that are already well-oiled and operating well that they have the potential to lose if they don't. I think that's their entire strategy, right? So like I think as long as an intelligence systems or a Grezzo or whoever isn't at risk of being sold or or being taken away from them, that they'll just keep maintaining this kind of close association, second party kind of thing. But yeah. but they're not really gonna, you know, be too motivated. But in terms of who I'd want to see them acquire, um, I mean, it's the names we called out. It's the people that I think of as integral to what Nintendo does that are not owned. You know, and and it's those three studios are the first three that come to mind. Beyond that, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't really want to see them acquire smaller studios. You know, like, I don't really want to see indies getting snapped up. Like, that's something that, like, I it's it, it goes back to that media consolidation conversation, right? If, like, a, like, for example, right, like, if a Yacht Club Games decided they wanted to sell and Nintendo was going to buy, I'd be like, okay. I could see that working out, but 
I don't sit here and be like, oh man, how amazing would it be if they got bought by Nintendo? You know, like that, that to me is just going to push the, the media consolidation conversation forward. It's going to lead to exclusives and stuff that are not inherently good for the, the developer or the industry. I mean, it would be cool for them to get the Metroid IP though. Don't get me wrong. There's, there could be cool side effects to any of those acquisitions. Right. But what about the team that did, um, the the Zelda one, you know the the uh, Kings oh. of Hyrule. Oh, um, God, what are they, what's their name? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Brace uh, Spike Chunsoft. Spike Chunsoft. No, that's okay. the publisher. Brace yourself, games. Okay, I was gonna say that can't be right, right? Brace no, yourself. Have yeah, they done anything else? Games. Another Canadian developer, huh? Hmm. I mean, the only other game of note seems to be Crypt of the Necrodancer. The Indie Katamari. That's what they call it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess that could be cool, but I think I'd rather just see them. The, yeah. yeah, I'd rather just see them work with those kinds of studios, not not snap them up. You know, there was a time I could have seen them buying Capcom. You know, when they were exclusive with the Resident Evil series on GameCube and Capcom was kind of struggling a while ago, too. And like the last Mm -hmm. couple of years, they've been kind of like on the upswing again. Between Monster Hunter and like leveraging like the Resident Evil Mega Man games and stuff. And like they've been finding ways to get money in the coffers. Yeah. Imagine Nintendo just owning the Mega Man franchise. Yeah. I, I think I think a more interesting one if you're talking about like a major acquisition like that would be sega um oh yeah that one would be cool obviously like there's you know like sega has mario and sonic at the olympic games again yeah like sega sega has ip that you could see nintendo doing something with like i think if nintendo was in charge of developing the next sonic like you'd probably actually get a good 3d sonic game for the first time in a real <laughs> long time, maybe ever, arguably, depending on who you are. Uh, stuff like that, like Dreams. Not Dreams. Nights. Nights. Nights? Yeah, Nights, yeah. Yeah. Um, dreams is that PlayStation game. Uh, Outrun. I mean, they own, two, they own Two Point now, so you'd have Two Point Hospital. Oh, yeah. It looks like they are the ones that publish Bayonetta, Alien Resolution. They also own um, Platinum is actually another studio I could see them acquiring if they needed to, but maybe I not. I could just for Astral Chain and Bayonetta, and like getting them to make another Astral Chain. Yeah, well, Bayonetta not doesn't exist. As It'll far come as out I'm eventually. Uh, <laughs> but not um, this year, I hope. Yeah, right. Not for you. Uh, what was I going to say? There was another. There was a thread there. Oh, um, they also own Atlas. Yeah, so then do, yeah. Nintendo would own Persona, which would be huge, and Shin Megami Tensei, which would be huge. Yeah, I don't know if they kind of want to own that, though. Those games are a bit problematic at times. Mm, but, like, does Nintendo care? Because, like... Yeah, I think so. Like, name a mature Nintendo game. Bayonetta. That's not a Nintendo game. It, it Bayonetta 2 is. But it's... Is it? Yeah, but it's like not owned by them. The I the the IP is not owned by them. No, but I'm pretty sure they published Bayonetta too. Probably. Let's find out. And uh, yeah, developer Platinum Games publisher Nintendo. 
Okay, maybe. Which is like an overtly sexual game. <laughs> you know, like Yeah. I, I won't say like I think the most problematic uh thing in an Atlas game is is in Catherine. And like the stuff that's problematic in Persona is no more or less problematic than like other stuff you've seen in older Nintendo games. Maybe, but like the the first story in Persona Five is just like this it's is heavy. heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. I mean, Joker's in Smash though. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? But like, so is every other character in history. Yeah, but I guess that's kind of my point. Is like, I I don't know. I could see Nintendo having stuff like that where it's like, if they own Sega, they own Atlas. Maybe that you know it, it's in the way that like like Disney owns like, you know, like they had like I think it's Buena Vista yeah, Pictures. Yeah, Fox. No, now. it was it was Touchstone. Touchstone for a long time was where yeah. they would put out R-rated movies. And yeah. and it's owned by Disney, it's produced by Disney, but you as a consumer don't see it and go, oh, it's Disney, right? Yeah. Like, that could still Although, be the... weirdly, like, 24 is coming to Disney Plus in the UK. That is weird. They're really diluting it, because we don't have Hulu here. Everything right. that's on Hulu in America is just on Disney, Disney now. Plus. Yeah. yeah. It's so like, I... this is not very Disney. So, I don't know, like... I... The problem with Sega is I can't see them buying them just because Sega is so huge in like the pachinko market in Japan and yeah. like they are very, very arcade centric. And I don't think that Nintendo could justify spending that amount of money on them. They could sell that stuff to Konami though. I mean that's the that's the thing. You could potentially buy games from yeah. Sega. Or like buy, buy Sega the for the IP and then sell off the parts of the business that don't suit yes. what you're doing, you know? I don't know. I don't think it's likely, but that could be interesting. No, I don't. Especially when, like, Sega's kind of having a bit of a renaissance with things like Yakuza. Yeah. Those are becoming huge hits. Um, and obviously, Sonic Mania was a big hit for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Nintendo could do it. I just think it's the kind of thing that, like, they would need to be interested in it in a way that I don't... I don't see that that being part of their business model, right? Like, Microsoft is doing that right now because they need to. Nintendo doesn't need to. Nintendo grows things in-house, or they make de- development partnerships that make sense for them, and they maintain them and grow them over the course of decades, right? So what I, about I'm, Bandai Namco? That's too big for me, but... Same thing, yeah. I think but it, the it, games that they make for Nintendo, they, they were responsible for... Um, Smash. The latest Smash Brothers. They were going to be responsible for Metroid Prime 4. They did Pokken. I don't know. I think the Metroid Prime 4 thing doesn't help that conversation. Yeah. Um, But I also think it's the same kind of thing where why buy them if you don't have to, right? Like, let them keep developing the games where it makes sense. And and that's that, right? Mutually beneficial partnership. It's just like how Nintendo works with Ubisoft sometimes. You know, they're not going to buy Ubisoft, but they can work on a game together. Like one game they've worked on, right? Two. What's the second one? They had Zombie U as a launch title. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not working. They it's didn't not work like Mario on it. popped I up just, in the middle of Zombie U. That's fair. I Can just you imagine like they... Zombie Mario in the middle of that game and he's like, oh. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> they have a good working relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, would it be outside the realm of possibility? Probably not. But is it likely? I don't think so at all. It's way more likely that you're going to see 
an intelligence system or Sir Grezzo or somebody that like another studio or another publisher is sniffing around and then Nintendo's like, fuck you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's by and large how likely likely some of those people are to sell to other companies. Like if if saying intelligent systems, we've only ever made Nintendo games, and then Microsoft comes along and goes, "We want to buy you, and we want you to exclusively make games for Xbox." Why would they have any incentive to say yes when they've got such a good relationship with Nintendo anyway, and they've only made games for Nintendo since 1983? I mean, I guess it depends on the context, right? Because like, why did Rare sell? Probably because Microsoft offered them enough money or there was senior leadership there that was ready to move on. Uh, like that was what happened with with uh, Next Level, right? Was that their leadership was ready to sell. They had interested parties and Nintendo jumped in because they needed to. I think that would be the scenario is like, is there someone at Intelligent Systems who in the next five years might decide they want to sell and they're done? Or could Microsoft come to them and and make like a, 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 a obsidian level offer where they're like, hey, we're going to pay you a half a billion dollars to acquire you. And we're going to allow you to develop, uh, you know, three new IP in any genre that you want and go for it. And then they're like, OK, you know, like I, those are the kinds of things I could see where it's like, hey, hey you made a Fire Emblem once. Go make another one for us. You know, if the money's right or if there's people who are ready to move on or whatever, like that could be it. I don't know. It's also stability, right? Like you then are owned. It's stability for you and your employees forever. That's something that Nintendo is seemingly not willing to offer. I don't know. It's just so weird considering the number of first party studios they have anyway. Yeah. I think that's why they don't go out of their way to acquire people. You know, they have a good library. They have a good stable. Anyway, uh, interesting conversation. I'm excited to see what's next from Next Level Games. Uh, I think, you know, they've... I feel cle- like we're going to see soon. And I think it's going to be a Mario Strikers this year. <sighs> that would be sweet. I would be fucking real into that. Um, but either way, I think I think they've got a strong future ahead of them. They're obviously a studio with a lot of talent and they've proven that they can deliver and deliver lots of different kinds of games that are, you know, sellers that make money. Um, and that, and that to Daniel's a point, uh, strengthen IP, which is the most important thing for Nintendo. So totally a great acquisition on their part makes a lot of sense. I think they've earned a spot in the stable. Uh, I hope we see some of the other a tier talent that Nintendo works with, um, earn that, that spot as well sooner than later. Uh, because like we said, they're, there's a great collective of second-party studios that that um, I think Nintendo is going to want to hold on to if they want to maintain the dominance and the relevance that they've seen these last couple of years um, because those studios are a huge part of it, right? This, the Switch wouldn't sell without its software library, uh, which it is very strong. And some of the best games on the system, some of the best sellers on the system are made by these studios. So something they're going to want to keep in mind as they move into this next generation where acquisitions and um, consolidation seem to be an increasing norm. Um, So if there is a big push this gen to acquire studios, I hope Nintendo keeps up because they've got some real talent that you don't want to see slip through their fingers right now. Um, So uh, let us know what you guys think on this topic or any of the stuff that we discussed this week. 
Uh, of course, you can do that by writing into me at pete.lupots.com, coming and joining our Discord and jumping in the Pots Cash channel uh, with your questions or comments, uh, or getting on our weekly Twitter thread over at Lupots. Uh, make sure you go follow us, turn on tweet notifications. We don't tweet that often, only when we're going live uh, or when we've got questions for the show, that kind of stuff. Speaking of going live, if you want to go and catch us over on our Twitch channel, that's twitch.tv slash Pots every Thursday night. We are working on expanding the schedule. Uh, like I said, we did two streams last week. We'll probably start doing a weekend stream um, more often, more regularly, uh, as we kind of figure out what our, our more normalized schedule is going to be moving forward. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, definitely going to be some more stuff going on over there that uh, I'm very much looking forward to. I think it's going to be a good time, and uh, we hope you'll come be a part of it. Um, speaking of being a part of things, remember patreon.com slash loot is the best way to get, uh, get your, you know, your extra bit of loot content in your RSS, show your support and, uh, keep, you know, keep us going everywhere. We're doing content. Um, if you want some more content, of course, there's the YouTube channel, head over to the podcast channel and give us a subscribe. We're trying to grow that new channel. Um, we're been hovering around 20 subs the last, uh, week or so. Um, so Quite a bit less than the 2,000 we have on Lupot's Prime. So if you are a listener of the podcast, even if you don't plan on getting it on that platform, I do really hope they'll head over there and give us a subscribe. I've seen every time I ask, a few of you go and do it. So uh, I am going to ask one more time here. Hope you'll go support that. And uh, yeah, keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing. Um, we've got some real good plans for 2021, and I'm excited for you all to be a part of it. So uh, with that, we've been the Potscast. We'll catch you next week for another episode. Take care. Stay safe. Stay sane.